welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And tonight, it's my birthday! Yeah! Or it was my birthday <laughs> on June 13th, and we have to record Yeah, we have a, a wacky later. schedule going. But tonight, grab your pipes and drop into the astral realm as we discuss Enter the Void. I'm Mitch. I'm Mer. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. Ooh-wee. Got a fun one tonight for you guys. Uh, I watched this movie several years ago. I think I was like 15 or 16 when I first watched it. Like high off my ass. And I was bewildered and confused the whole time I was watching the movie. And I didn't really understand it the first time I watched it. I actually kind of didn't like it for certain reasons pertaining to that. But I felt like this movie really stuck with me. Like things would show up around my life and I would always connect it back to what I had seen in that movie. It's definitely something that you're not going to understand the first time you watch it. Maybe you will, and that's fantastic for you. But it's something you definitely sit and think on. Uh, this movie is by Gaspar Noe, who is... Murr has some details about him. He's well known for his surreal movies. Yeah. That this is like his MO, is watching very uh, like technically difficult movies to make. <laughs> and this yeah. one looked difficult. I mean, yeah. you, you could already tell from the way that there's like five different title sequences. <laughs> that was like, great. Yeah, those are so, so sweet. Cool. <laughs> what a good opening to, this, to a movie that's already going to be assaulting you with lights <laughs> and, and, yeah. and yeah. neon uh, colors. There's a lot of strobe effects yeah, used in this movie. So if you are sensitive to light like that, or if you I get motion sick very easily. Or motion sickness, <laughs> I recommend not watching this movie. Epileptics yeah. beware. You know, I was looking and supposedly scholars like that uh study like fonts and all that they were they like religiously check that scene when they just put like the same name 17 times in different fonts yeah it's so interesting <laughs> um so this movie enter the void like justine said was uh directed by gaspar noah and it was released on may 22nd 2009 at the Cannes the can film festival of course yeah sounds about right uh it was then later released in France, a little bit later that year, and then September 2010 in the USA, like a little bit over a year. Yeah, I think I found the movie shortly after that. I was exploring the uh, trippy side of Tumblr one night and <laughs> came across a lot of like uh, still shots from the movie. Yeah, and the visuals are incredible in this movie, so I gave it a watch and I was not prepared. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Enter the Void uh, poster is something that you will see throughout the years on Netflix that Definitely. you always just go over. They do get it a lot and then leave it and then keep re-getting it and putting it on Netflix. So you might just keep randomly coming across it, which like, is kind of funny. And then people always get this film um, confused with Old Boy as well. And they get it confused with The Void. Oh, yeah. Which is another is horror completely film. Different. Completely different idea. I mean, I wouldn't say Enter the Void is necessarily horror. There are definitely horror elements consistent yeah. throughout it. But it's more of like a fantasy, mystery, sci-fi sort of thing. It's it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's esoteric. It's kind of religious. Esoteric as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would venture to say that it's nihilistic as well. It's, it's the darker portion of how you're going to experience life. It's really brutal. It's not going to be very happy most of the time. You get like one moment of happiness when he sees his sister for the first time in in Japan and they go and hang out and then everything else is really bad from Dark then. And grimy yeah, it's and really bad. grimy. The the area that they're in gave me some real like cyberpunk vibes. Like yeah, I feel the, like these the are the sections of Japanese cities that inspired the cyberpunk game as far as like the design, the interior and even, exterior design goes. Even like their tiny ass apartments. Yeah. That are the like neon <laughs> lights flashing and it's just crowded, cramped and tiny and there's trash all over the street. <laughs> well, at least in their stairwell. It's relatively clean on the actual streets. That's yeah. true. Actually, yeah, there's no clean moment during this whole movie. Even while you're watching, all the scenes are hardly ever in focus and sharp. A lot of it's going to be this sort of uh, blurry, uh, surreal look at what you're, what's going on and what you're experiencing. With some trippy graphics layered over on occasion. Yeah. I'll finish up the production notes real quick. It was written by Gaspar Noel and Lucille H. Uh, also, this was... Um, inspired by the Tibetan Book of the Dead, mm -hmm. which is an Eastern uh, philosophy book, which me and Mur happened to purchase. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and read all the way through. I, mean, I think yeah. that's a big that's a big part of this yeah. of this film too, yeah. especially when it comes to just understanding what's going. Because if you have no concept of 
anything about the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which the movie does do a good job of explaining in brevity. <laughs> it's at like least. a cover page. Yeah, of the exactly. Book. But it's enough to, you know, let yeah. the viewer understand what's going yeah. on and then you can read into it more. Otherwise, it's very confusing. I, yes. <laughs> I also believe them just name dropping it and showing you the cover and like getting the main character yeah, the to book read it. travels around with gives them. gives like the audience like connotation like, hey, you should read the book as yeah. well. Yeah. Some framework for what you're it's looking at. One of the sim- symbols that are used throughout this movie right. is the book itself. Um, finishing up the little notes that we got, the producer is Bram Chiao, as well as Vincent Maravel, Oliver Debesque, Marc Missionaire, and Shin Yamaguchi. These are all French and Japanese people yeah. that worked on the uh, production design. What an interesting collaboration. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, to finish that up, they were... Produced also by Fidelity Films, Wild Bunch, Les Cinemas de la Zone. You'll see all of these in the fucking intro in 17 different fonts. It's pretty sweet. If you can catch it in time. Yeah, (laughs) it's very quick transitions. Um, Starring roles for this, though. We got Nathaniel Brown as Oscar. Poor guy. Loudest gunshot in cinema history. Yeah, holy shit. (laughs) You felt that. I I mean, that was sort of the intention. It caught me off guard. So did the crash. (laughs) I mean, I mean... This is a whole situation where this drug dealer, Oscar, our, our boy Oscar here, says some dumbass things yeah, to a bunch of cops. Why would you yeah. tell them you have a gun and that why you're going to you, shoot them? Yeah, okay, like, first of all, I'm... he's a white guy. Oh, He's used to getting away with that in the U.S. Okay, they're like, oh, he has a gun? Let's probably ask him to well, come out. Well, that's assuming he was a drug dealer in the U.S. before he got to Japan. He definitely wasn't. That's why he became a drug dealer, because he came to Japan, had no money. Yeah. And got reference to a couple people and <laughs> eventually ended up selling drugs yeah. to make his money. Anyways. But yeah. <laughs> Oscar dies. Spoiler. Oops, spoiler. <laughs> like the first 30 minutes of the movie. I think it's yeah. less than that. <laughs> uh, as a sister, Linda, we have Paz de la Huerta. Oh, shit. And then uh, the bearded man himself, Cyril Roy, as Alex. I love him. Yeah. He, I call him Russell Brand. Oh. <laughs> Eric Russell Brand? Yeah. Oh, my God. Everybody's got a friend like this, too. Guy who does a lot of psychedelics, probably an artist, will tell you some wild shit while you guys are walking somewhere. Like he's also, literally explaining it, but he yeah, but yeah, he'll also ahead. tell you some real shit. Yeah, he'll, he'll like wake you up, like bro, why are you doing? He was this even shit? telling him, he's like, don't don't get into dealing drugs, man. He's like, you're gonna get in some deep shit, and you're gonna like something's gonna happen. He yeah. even tells him like, you know, something bad's gonna happen. Because as far as we know, this guy just does psychedelics. Like he really doesn't do anything else. He's, no, he like he's just an artist for trade because I mean, he's living Oscar, in that little art flat. Doesn't Oscar even say that he's like, oh, Alex is a bigger junkie than I am. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm he like, does. I'm, I'm like, like, oh, I don't know buddy, about that. Come on, that's kind of the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got the child actors as little Linda. We have Emily Allen Line. She did great, by the way. Yeah, I God, believed shit. that fucking <laughs> those crying screams. screams. Yeah. Especially when uh, she's like getting separated from Oscar by yeah. child yeah, protective services. Yeah, that was the services. part where she was like, you promised me. I was that like, hurt. wow. Dude, that, I mean, the little girl actress was really awesome. I yeah. liked her a lot. I thought she was very uh, very emotive. Mm-hmm. Then we have uh, Jesse Kuhn as little Oscar, the man with the 10,000-yard stare. Yeah, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Jesus. Um, finishing out the cast, we have Ollie Alexander, who, who plays Victor, also found out he plays in a band called the Yayas. Oh. <laughs> he raps, too. He <laughs> raps? What a snitch. <laughs> yeah, what a snitch. Oh my Little God. white boy snitch. He's so laughing about his dad just smacking the fucking shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I, what? I'm I, disappointed it's not for him being a snitch, though. That yeah. It's just, it's just some, like, patriarchal. Yeah, like, like, I'm <laughs> the man of the house. Yeah, we'll I'm out of the house. Yeah, it could have been like, I didn't read no snitch. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah exactly. That would have been more hilarious. You're going to be a snitch and then challenge me in my own house? Yeah, shit. <laughs> oh my god uh then we had ed spear as bruno that's the drug dealers the one with like the supplier of men <laughs> yeah the one that is like bald and just like hey man creepy is, is that guy good uh, hold, boys. yeah that's what he tells him he's like yeah man he's like he offers you a drink don't fucking take that shit you'll wake up two hours later with this junk in your mouth and you're like oh okay like, oh my god <laughs> i just wonder if he knows that from experience right that's why like <laughs> did it happen to him too like shit and then at last, we got Masato Tano as Mario, the uh, pimp. I, st- I didn't know how to feel about strip, him, strip which owner. was interesting. Yeah, he's a sort of shifting character. Because on one hand, you don't like him because he's a pimp. And, yeah. But he also does take care of his girls, but he's also an asshole. Yeah, so it was a weird... Yeah. I mean, as his 
quote unquote girls getting an abortion, he's like trying to hit on other girls. Yeah. True. Uh, other I'm dancers. I'm pretty sure he was the one too that asked her to get one because there's that scene after the abortion where she's like crying to her friend, like I knew he wasn't shit. He was nothing but like a lay. Basically. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that's yeah. true actually. <laughs> uh, to finish out our notes, we have the budget at 12.4 million euros. And the box office made 1.5 million U.S. Oh. And it has a runtime of two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah, this is a very long movie. <laughs> Boogie Nights and Gandhi also relate. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the long movies, long, long okay. movies. But like length, though, we have to discuss. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha, Me gotcha. and John have got nitpicks here. <laughs> It's not even a nitpick. You like I I understood the idea of the cyclical nature of what you're trying to show me. You could have cut out 30 minutes of that in the middle because the beginning and end are awesome. That's what I'm saying. But the middle it's mind-numbing and I wonder if he did it on purpose so that you could watch it and be like, "Holy shit, like he's going through some terrible things so, over and over and over again." So, in, not to completely <laughs> criticize the film, but I could you could also say that if he's I got frustrated yeah, exactly. watching this movie. I did too. <laughs> but I wonder if it's movies and art and stuff are yeah. meant to evoke a feeling. Exactly. So if the intent was to make you just as frustrated as the spirit that is watching everything, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. To me. So that that has to click for you pretty early on as you're watching yeah, it. Yeah. You I have mean, to know that it's him watching them. That was something the first time I watched this that I didn't quite understand until maybe like. Uh, a few minutes into the part after he dies, right. then I was finally like, oh, like this is his perspective. Yeah. I think it wasn't actually until we got to like the flashback section the first time I watched oh, really? it where I was like, oh, so I'm like going through his consciousness. But like I, I like that you brought up the frustration aspect. Me and Mer were talking about this earlier is I mean, so the the movie is regarding the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which one of the main things people regard the book as is describing the idea of reincarnation yeah. and how life is a cycle and the cycle doesn't break just when you're born or when you die. When you die, It continues on after that. And I, I think that concept can be really frustrating because we can agree that the earth kind of ghetto <laughs> like where's the fun chair where's this <laughs> glorious heaven uh, that they always preached in where's church Agartha? and whatnot and so it's frustrating <laughs> like why am i still stuck on this shithole of a planet mm -hmm. and i think that's something this movie tried to emphasize is the cycle of life will continue until you move past the point and past the lessons that you're meant to learn and the place that you are so reading or watching this movie i watched it first and i kind of understood a little bit of it but then i wanted to read the tibetan book of the dead and after hearing it the the movie makes a lot more sense in what i was trying to portray because within the book uh it explains that usually you read the book uh either on your own or in a ceremonial type thing after a person passes or when they are on their deathbed mm -hmm. and uh usually you want to go through the three different bardo states it reads more like a manual like a guide yeah on how to traverse the spirit world right like it was interesting because in the beginning uh i think it was alex referred to the book as being like a bible and in a sense if you want to look at the bible completely like as it is it is like a guide manual about how to live a spiritual life and in a sense the tibetan book of the dead is the same way as it tells you about the matter and the substance of spirits and the way it moves, the way it evolves and transitions. And it's a guide to sort of show you how things that you encounter in your life aren't just like a random stroke of luck, good or bad. It's all for a purpose. So you could say that the Bible is a guide for the living. Yes. For as you live and interact <laughs> with yeah, people right. and everything Ooh, else. And then yeah. the Tibetan Book of the Dead is a guide for the spirit. Yeah. So it's like you would be reading this if you are interested in the beyond, yeah. the, the yeah. void. Because spirit is constantly <laughs> intertwined yeah. with our everyday life, although it's not as obvious or uh, understandable, so we pay no mention to it. But this book is supposed to sort of explain these aspects of spirit that might be sort of escaping our attention. We just had the bad luck of being in Western civilization where our spirituality is Christianity and uh, they don't talk much about when you die. Yeah. <laughs> Besides well, like, going to one place know, or another. This book 
definitely sort of uh, describes the way a lot of Eastern philosophies yeah. and religions go. It's sort of like a base groundwork for how a lot kind of like these religions umbrella. function. It's yeah. much larger. They've filled in a lot of things. And I wonder if half of it is because we might just be terrified of what happens when you die. Like, yeah. is it really just nothing? Well, and so to fill that, they've created something that'll kind of ease your mind. But it also ends up being something that you could potentially suffer in because it's, it's never ending. And it's a yeah. cycle that you keep going through. And I think the suffering a lot of times just comes from unknowingness, like right. not understanding why you go through certain things and why you cert you end up in certain situations. Um, I believe that like, well, like you said, with like Western civ uh, civilization and religion, like there is heaven. And then like in, in the Tibetan Book of the Dead or otherwise known as like somewhat Buddhism, mm -hmm. you're going past that towards the uh, enlightenment or like sitting down on the lotus flower with Buddha himself. Oh, right. And yeah. then, uh, becoming and reaching enlightenment and also in the uh the uh like the norwegian and viking kind of culture they had valhalla which yeah. is the, the religious warriors or like people who died in battle it's usually yeah. a good ending it's yeah. striking how much you have that the there's, goal is to reach a very nice enlightened state this isn't always, a bad place there's always <laughs> this overlap um the main thing in the tibetan book of the dead because there's three ma major sections in it and they're portrayed in the film pretty well uh, the first one is the Bardo before death, and that is portrayed as soon as Alex is shot by the gunshot, and he sees his own body, Yeah, and then yeah. seeing the subsequent effects of his death. Um, right, like his friend getting arrested, his other friend punching out the cop, and then going on the run. Jeez. Yeah, and that was like the first time I, that's the first time we saw that cinematic shot where it moves through buildings. Yeah. yeah. And the first one, because you see it down an alleyway, it's, it's, a, very, mm -hmm. it's a very nice shot. Yeah. Um, after that, the second bardo, which is uh, an Indian word, is the bardo of Dharmita. Mm -hmm. So this is the section of where you meet different creatures and beings from different realms. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's six different realms that one soul could potentially go to <laughs> after after death. And this is uh, it's the realm of gods, the realm of humans, the realm of animals, the realm of devils and demons, the realm of the hungry ghosts or spirits oh god and then um there's one more i'm totally forgetting it. well if i could say something i feel like the path that he ended up going on after death was definitely one of a hungry ghost right. since he's still trapped in this physical realm but as an astral body floating around observing things trying to find somewhat of an answer or purpose to why right. he is where he is and he's hungry for an answer he's hungry for knowledge he's hungry for a way out and he's also a ghost living in this world but unseen by everybody so is this getting at the idea that people have talked about before where ghosts stick around because they have a lot of unresolved things yeah within and this i realm? think that yeah. was something they definitely pointed out throughout the movie is the reason why he stayed behind was the trauma he had from his family right. life losing both of his parents and then having to basically take care of his little sister them being separated after making a pact to always be together and take care of each other and then once again, as she comes back into his life, he sort of steers her down a dark path unintentionally, too. Yeah. And he's trying to he basically failed. I mean, I think even his friend said that he failed at being or no, it was Mario, the the pimp. He said that he failed at being a brother. Oh, that basically. was a good moment. Ooh. And that was very like a turning moment in that point, because I think he kind of realized what he was doing and what he wasn't doing, too. Right. And he realized that he failed at his pact. And so when he died, he still had that blood pact on his consciousness and he wanted to fulfill it well she asked him well, what about if you die he's like well, well i'm gonna be i'm gonna come back yeah so yeah. he essentially made yeah. a contract with spirit binding him to this and that tells a lot so about he may have actually accidentally got himself stuck yeah <laughs> it's basically how karma works is yeah. if you have some sort of binding thing to the physical realm you'll end up coming back in order to resolve it right yeah. you, during uh, in the tibetan book of the dead they describe that you'll see people touch your possessions you shouldn't feel bad or anything really if they touch your physical possessions mm -hmm. you'll see your family sorrow over you don't feel bad for them mm -hmm. it's just another passing thing they, oh interesting they also mention um the like good and bad gods that you meet through karma um the good gods will show lights and that was a thing with this movie they were showing yeah. a lot of several like sections where you go towards light orbs and they say if you go towards it you will be stuck in such and such realm if there's a green light, there's a yellow light, and the bad gods, they represent the bad karma in your life. They will, tr in, in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, they describe 
giants that are like as big as mountains yeah. or like oh, smaller geez. smaller ones which are the size of 15 people stacked on top of each other those are the small ones yeah. <laughs> <laughs> chasing you with scimitars and cutting you into a million pieces yeah well like Jeez. the thing is too about the gods that they represent is even though you could in our perspective view them as being good or bad depending on what sort of tidings and energy they bring they might feel good or bad but in a sense they're both very necessary and they're one and the same they just function in different ways a good god quote-unquote good god a god of light will show you the love and show you the happy times in your life where the bad god will or the dark god right. will show you your mistakes and where you could have done better and the lessons you should have learned so so you could probably tell pretty easily off the bat that you have a lot to discuss just from watching it the concepts yeah. and idea that he's dealing with are really hefty and so this was a good concept to begin with and it's a really good movie as far as showing you like what's going to happen what might happen and what it might look like because mm -hmm. he's basically being a surreal film artist when he's creating this movie you're yeah. not gonna you've like you've already touched on a few things where you're gonna you can pull it straight from the book like what does that mean there's a visual uh -huh. sim symbology for what he's using in the film and then you have to sort of figure it out on your way which is what everyone kind of has to do on that journey there and so that's one of the great elements of the movie itself it does a really great visual representation of what you're looking at. And then after that, though, you sort of get taken through his whole life. And so then you have sort of that journey that goes through. But this yeah. also is where I have to bring up one of my own criticisms for it, where, like we mentioned, it's a, I feel like it's a bit too long. People will probably enjoy it because it's you're getting a full view of his experience. Yeah. But I also think that the movement of the camera, as far as him being like this omnipotent presence everywhere, it gets old for me really quickly. Like 30 minutes of it, I think it's really stunning at the beginning. But at, but the fact that you have to go through all two and a half hours of it like that becomes really tiresome for me to watch. And I don't really know if that was because it's me and I don't like it or if it's because like it's taking a lot away from sort of the visual experience that you're watching, for me at least, because you could have done a difference in what you're looking at and this sort of would have broken it up. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I was going to say that I... I pretty much agree with John on this as well. I feel that there's definitely parts that didn't need to be as long as they were or this really long shot of, I don't know, like this, the big long thing of like all the people banging at like the end of the movie. I was like, got like, I, I kind of already know where it's going. Like, right. I'm like all right, so he's going to be reborn as his sister's kid. I get it. I got it. I got it. Right. But it's like, they're just like, <laughs> he has to watch everyone fuck before yeah, he gets there. Definitely. <laughs> Well, and I just was kind of like, why though? So as I was watching this movie and as it finished, I was kind of considering this is a very long film, but the concepts of it, it made me even forget that I was watching a film. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things that I felt like this is bigger than a film itself. That was my idea behind it too. Well, so. I like the idea, but I think it's sort of, became a little bit pretentious at some point when well, he wanted to keep doing this over and over again. Like, I get I, you're a good filmmaker, but, like, don't show me fucking 40 minutes of the same thing. He didn't break any new ground after 20 minutes of the film. He showed you his one cool trick, and then he kept doing the same trick over and over again. I think it was less about the entertainment aspect, because I think if you go into this movie expecting to be entertained and be wowed, yeah. you're going to be disappointed, oh, because see, that's not what the purpose of this but, movie but, is. But I liked the idea. I liked the movie concept, and I right. like what he's like, doing. It's definitely an but interesting I think it's idea, a... and when you get into it first, like you're thinking, wow, like this is really unique. This is interesting. I actually but think... then it keeps on going, yeah. and I think the purpose of that wasn't necessarily to keep you entertained, but this is more of like a lesson that they're trying to teach you and usually when you learn lessons in school there's the beginning part that really hooks your attention and then as you get into the meat of it it starts to feel a little drowned out and it's sort of not necessarily confusing but like it's just something that doesn't really resonate with you at the time but it's still something that leaves behind a memory in your mind and that's a memory that you'll come back to and that's essentially what learning is you are introduced to a new concept and then it comes back to you again and again and then it starts to become more solid and yeah. that was my experience of this movie is I felt the same way when I watched that I was like, you know, this is too long. I don't really get what's going on here. Like that was cool. But like, where's the rest of it? But then as I started thinking about it more and things would start to come back to me, it had a whole different meaning to it. And I started to really appreciate what he was doing here because this isn't a movie for entertainment. This is a lesson. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I wasn't saying that it wasn't entertaining. I think uh, I think what happened is that I liked the concept so much that I felt like he stumbled as a filmmaker, that he wasn't actually capturing what it what was getting at because there is really good large concepts that you can talk about okay. when it comes to the film. Okay, so, sorry, Mariah. No, I've you're cutting good. You off. So, so now... This is where I come in with the one-two punch. So <laughs> within the Bardo states, if you keep like fucking up, say if you stare into mm -hmm. it or you run away from such gods, 
it's basically like, like a lesson book. If you yeah. fuck up, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. So as I, as a person that just saw the film, I was very frustrated with how long it was. Could have been short. I could have got some sleep, you know, <laughs> as someone that read the source material, it makes sense because Oscar in himself keeps messing up. Yeah. And within the different lights, because the green stands for like the sanction of animals, yellow is the hungry ghost. He keeps fucking up in this realm and he keeps getting sent to the next part. And even in the womb section in the Tibetan book of the dead, they have seven rules to do so you don't end up in a womb Oh, geez. because the entire thing about uh enlightenment or uh reincarnation is you're not trying to be reincarnated into a womb yeah you're trying to go to the higher plane that's why right. the, the buddha is pointing to the moon yeah there's mm-hmm. levels of it and notice in the beginning of the movie there's an image on the wall that says the moon it's a picture of the moon <laughs> and they made a point to pass by oh, and wow. zoom in on it yeah and the uh the strip club like the the strip club like the uh the section that they're all dancing on it's a it's a six sided uh, table. Yeah, and so and they they show that very much. Yeah, and six sided images have a lot of grounds in many religious practices. Actually, if you want to break it down to the simple geometric aspect, a six pointed figure is a tetrahedron or a star tetrahedron. Oh yeah, that's right. Which is noted to be basically the shape of the soul. The soul okay. in itself is light energy, and I know you probably heard that a lot, but like think of it from a scientific perspective. It's particles, it's waves. That's yes. what the soul basically is, and the star tetrahedron is the physical image, I guess you could say, of what the soul is, and so that shows up frequently throughout the movie, is he's basically going through as his soul in his light vehicle. Yeah, and he gets to see... Uh, through flashbacks, we get to see the good and bad that happened. Yeah. Him bringing his sister over to Tokyo, uh, him dealing with sketchy drug dealers, yeah. him getting people hooked on drugs, trying to sell drugs to strippers, uh, like yeah. all these kind of like shady things. He has to see that to progress forward. I do like their attention to detail as far as telling you where are the moments in his life where things changed drastically. And then where were the moments that were effectively like traumatic and things that he was experiencing over and over again? Because watching them is even traumatic for the viewer to yeah. be going through these moments and they surprise the hell out of you when the gunshot happens, when the crash happens, when the crash happens like three times and it scares you every time. Yeah. Every single time it's, and it's I think mortifying. That's something where like the long drawn out sections sort of come into play because this entire mm. movie is from his perspective, from his own right. conscious eyes. Right, you got eyes. that first, first person, person. Yeah. And so you, at some point in the movie, you really start to feel like him. Like, this is your own perspective. It's no longer Oscar's perspective. And that's the thing. When you're watching mm. this, you're kind of like picturing, how is it going to be when I die? Yeah. Oh, but like yeah. something that I really admired about that aspect of it is that you have these long moments of sort of like droll like monotone sort of events happening and that's very much representative of life i mean life isn't exciting all the time let's be honest in most cases it's pretty mundane and boring but then when something like a gunshot or a car crash or or doing dmt or doing dmt (laughs) or fucking somebody happens they're very like peak exciting moments in your life whether they're good or bad is besides the point but they're very notable and they are something that stick in your memory. Like the first time you fucked your lover, you know, you're probably going to remember that. When you got into a car crash and your parents died, yeah. you're definitely going to remember that. When you were separated from your sibling and they're screaming and crying, you're going to remember that. But maybe not so much the in-between moments. A lot of good lines from Alex, too, who kind of guides you and gives you some framework to work on, where he yeah. tells you, like, oh, what are the, like, say well, you take DMT. DMT is supposed to release the same kind of chemicals when you die. And so they're like, DMT only lasts for, like, six minutes. It's short. So he's like, what kind of feeling do you get? Something that happens when you die. How do you escape a bad trip? He tells them the only way to escape a bad trip is to be reincarnated. And then, yeah. so that ties directly into what happens to him. He dies. He's going around. What happens? He The only way he can escape that is being reincarnated. And so he gets to that place where he has to be reborn. So you get a telling of the whole story at the yeah. beginning. Yeah, and it's really interesting. That, sorry. It's no. really interesting that he mentioned that part because from what I've heard from a lot of people about psychedelics is people that have had bad trip experiences mm. usually come out of it with some sort of like new knowledge about themselves. Yeah. Essentially, the psychedelics are trying to uncover a part in your consciousness that has remained hidden or at least like unseen for a long time and it's really painful a lot of times the things we hide in our mind are painful things that we don't want to go through we don't want to think about them but the psychedelics basically give us no choice and after experiencing that and moving past it you're a new person so in a sense you have become reborn maybe not you're physically born into a new body but your consciousness your worldview your perspective about everything has shifted slightly from that experience i agree entirely <laughs> yeah i was i mean g- going back to you know there's a lot of shots where 
he's hovering up above. It's like a bird's eye view sort of shot. And then it like dives in and focuses on something. Like one of the ones that sticks out like the most to me is like the post-abortion scene yeah. where, there, where there's just the little fetus sitting in the little tin and like yeah. and like his vision focuses on that specifically so and and when victor's being interrogated by the cops as well he focuses on the ashtray yeah mm-hmm. that's in the middle of all of them too so i wonder if it's a representation of him becoming way too obsessed with what other people are doing and not worrying about just letting go let go of right. what they're doing. That doesn't matter. Like, he could also of... be trying to, like, he still had a strong connection to his own body. And mm-hmm. so right. he felt very distraught that he got burned, basically. Because it's yeah. common to do that in Japan. Yeah, I mean, that's to why he goes people. into the fire. Yeah, too, exactly. When, he, when he's told, like, they, they torched you, buddy. Like, yeah. 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 And then he decides to go into the fire. And that's, like, the representation of him being cremated. Yeah. I sort of had, like, a similar or different-ish interpretation of him going into the light is i feel like any time he would move into the light was right after like a thought was finished so you see a scene of something happening and there's a light somewhere and he tries to go into the light i think that's him basically being like i've seen enough like i don't need to see anymore like i understand what you're trying to show me can i leave now and you know everybody says go into the light you know after you die people report seeing a light and i think the light is sort of like their portal out of there that's the portal to some form of ascension or whatever but the spirit who's guiding him it, i guess you could say some sort of god godlike spirit is sort of guiding him through this experience and showing him all these things like you should go over here and look at this you should go look at this see yeah. what's going on here and every time he finishes looking at something he's like okay i'm ready to go like get me into the light but he always gets rejected and spit back out because he's not ready yet he hasn't quite seen <laughs> yeah. what he needs that's to see that's usually what what those moments Which, are it's a learning moment yeah it, it really cements the fact that like Alex was a good friend to him for even showing him the book. Um, Cause yeah. after reading the text, they say um, even having read it just once uh, your soul will be much easier to control through the uh, ascension kind of drift. So even if you listen to it or you experience the, the thing and some people, they, like you said, like they experience that kind of shift when they do psychedelic things. Yeah. And uh, after reading that and seeing the, uh, the idea that you know our bodies or so our souls are meant to go to the moon or past the into space it makes me believe that our bodies and the material plane was not ever meant for us for it to be in there permanently it's for yeah. us to learn lessons because we are much more than that right and that was also something i took out of the moment where you see the fetus because they really focus in also worth noting that this movie is like one of the first times i've seen an abortion like oh yeah, on camera. yeah. Like yeah. they show like what There's happens. There's no censorship. There's at a all. lot of things in this movie that you won't see in other movies, like a straight up sex scene with like genitalia, not blow censored. jobs, actual blowjobs, blow actual blowjobs, yeah, <laughs> all that good stuff. I mean, I'm pretty sure that one person was just sucking on a flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> it looked um, like it. <laughs> but anyways, besides the point, when he zooms in on the fetus, and you just see it's just it's matter, like it's a collection of cells. It resembles a person but is not necessarily a person i think that was sort of them trying to emphasize the fact that our bodies are not all that there is Mm -hmm. that there's several other layers to our existence but we only happen to focus mostly on the physical because we're so enveloped in it all the time but there's still this aspect this layer of our consciousness that is outside of our body it is attached to our body it's connected to it definitely but it's not all that there is the physical body is a limit you know because even after he's born and he dies he still exists yeah or they still exist as their spirit and after all that it just it kind of makes sense or it kind of makes you raise the question why the fuck are psychedelics illegal (laughs) (laughs) because they're trying to censor that kind of like uh energy projection from people i think at least what i've heard from a lot of people that have done psychedelics is that after doing psychedelics and having a certain amount of experiences or not even the amount of experience but just the magnitude of the experience they step away and start to look at their reality differently and start to notice that maybe some things really aren't as important as we emphasize (laughs) yeah definitely we're not made for the material plane (laughs) and that's the thing too because it's just a lesson yeah this this uh this the thing is i really like this movie because it gives people like the average moviegoer the idea that i should probably a read this text or b look into a certain thing that could give me that kind of lesson. Yeah. So I appreciate it just on the fact of that. And me getting frustrated about the length 
has now subsided because now I understand that lesson. Right, definitely. Like, when I watched this, I had heard about reincarnation. Just like, you know, when you die, you're reborn, blah, blah, blah. And that's all I really knew about it. But after watching this movie, it was sort of put into, like, a tangible perspective. Because the concept of life and death is very... It, it's it's hard to grasp. I mean, you think it would be easy to grasp because we live and we die. You know, we already know that. But do we really know right. why we live and, and that's why we what, die? what people put questions into. I do. Uh, I will say I, I respect the director for staying true to his form and doing an artistic risk, basically, by creating something that most people would not understand while watching it and not really breaking from what he wanted to make. And so even yeah. though I didn't like certain parts of it and what he was doing, he stayed true to his own form and made the right. art that he wanted to make and i would say like that's sort of like my only gripe with this movie is like it's fantastic and it's even more groundbreaking when you have some sort of back context to relate to this movie yeah you gotta set your expectations but right if you go it. into <laughs> it like say you come from a super conservative religious household oh, right. and you've only been taught a certain perspective your whole life and taught that you couldn't think outside that perspective you'd probably watch this and either be offended or just really upset and confused <laughs> yeah the sex yeah. and drugs alone would offend you <laughs> yeah but if you sort of come from it as a lacking of perspective of just having an open i hate saying open mind because i feel like that term is so overused but if you allow yourself to be open to the concepts that are presented and just think what if or try to think outside the box of it it's it's really a significant film to watch see reading the uh the tibetan book of the dead and getting those concepts from it will definitely make this movie make a lot more yeah, sense to you. A lot of stuff and to it's you. kind of almost like i don't want to say it's a requirement because it really isn't to yeah. like to like figure out what's going on in this movie to you know uh rationalize everything and and stuff because it's very it's weird <laughs> it's very it's very trippy and out there a lot of like str- like those really long camera shots and it's it's all perspectives like even when it opens up with first person then you're just stuck in first person forever uh i will say i really enjoyed the moments where you're right behind him yeah you see the back of his head and uh he becomes separated from what he's watching and then this gives you a really good impression that he's an own viewer to his own life and you stick with him through it and you get to see him as the transitions to the point where he's in the same spot yeah as a child as like a teenager and then as an adult and then he watches all of it i think that was really good and i'm glad he didn't do it more than he did in the film yeah. because you become him and you get separated from what his whole life is and he gets a really right. good lesson during that yeah. time period and then yeah and then you're watching him perceive his past yeah, exactly and, and that that adds a lot it's sort of like the the first person watching the third yeah sort of sort of thing <laughs> yeah, i mean i guess thing. or like, i think maybe omniscient yeah. is like a word yeah. for is a word to describe this point of view that we're dealing with and like that memory section was something that was so interesting to me because i was co- i was sort of confused about the perspective when the, i was first watching it i was like am i seeing this as him as i see am i seeing this as his spirit because in this case they do separate the two yeah so like you're still in first person but it doesn't feel like you are but then again you are looking at the back of his head the whole time like you're observing this that's going down the situation that's happening and it's interesting to separate the body from the mind essentially like they're in his memories he still exists as the body that he had as the mind that he had but now you're getting a perspective of those memories from something that's now outside of himself uh he did the director did also go into some touchy waters by going into moments where it transitioned to a younger version of his sister to an older version and not shying away from the nudeness of his own sister and how he might have sexual feelings that they both have towards each other and then not sure what to do with them so like these are things people experience sort of like in a daily thing either with your friends with someone you know he's like this is a thing like a thing he's dealing with as he goes through his relationship with her because they've both been through a really traumatic event and so you then have to deal with sort of feelings how do you feel about loving your sister and, and what then is it that also ties into the trauma bonding aspect yes exactly when you've experienced a traumatic experience with somebody you aka might her feel... bonding with alex at the end of it yeah because, because her friend died both and her brother trauma died. he had been through the drama of seeing his friend die she's through the trauma of having her whole family die basically and they unite over that aspect they find love in that yeah it, de- it definitely makes sense that a intense traumatic experience would create an intense connection that might also be in some ways kind of unhealthy yeah it's pretty in bad a sense because because i noticed that his sister when when she shows up on the scene she doesn't seem to be as like as like well adjusted no like like he's not well adjusted like oscar's not as well adjusted either but she definitely seems like she's like been she got hit way worse like yeah and it, and it has stunted it has stunted like some mental growth or something on she seems like more like a lot younger and youthful 
I would say, but like to a point like childish almost in a way with some yeah. things. And I think a lot of times I, I'm not speaking from any sort of like psychological perspective, but when people go through traumatic experiences, they'll try to revert mentally back to a state where they hadn't experienced oh. that trauma. Yeah. So that would be when she was in her early childhood, right before her parents died is sort of when the trauma started. And so in a sense, her mind is reverting back to that part where she was innocent and happy and had a caring family around her. It's really sad, I actually. I mean, there's but... that whole section where she tried to overdose at a playground. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. They, which is like, they kind of breeze over that because there's so much going on in the film already. Yeah, yeah. No, that was like, I. that was probably one of the scenes where I was the most confused because I was like, did she try to OD? Did she just go do a bunch of drugs? Did yeah. she try? I, it, was, it, was, it wasn't as... Um, what is it? It wasn't as concrete. This as also makes things. me think about how I don't think the Alex like getting mad at the cops and running away. I don't think that was enough to make his life just go to shit. I think that was one of the things I wanted to poke through it was that I don't think that was enough. Like, I think he could. I think if even if he got arrested, they wouldn't do much. They'd probably fine him and then let him go, and his life wouldn't be ruined. Yeah. So I don't understand this, why he was on the as, run like that. As well, far as I know, I, I talked to some people recently about like like Japanese yeah. like police force and whatnot. So drugs are so heavily criminalized oh, there. Oh, gotcha. So there was a guy from Capcom who oh. got caught with some weed. His entire existence from all the projects with Capcom erased oh. after he was because they take gotcha. it so like like you like I right. we take it pretty seriously here, but like Japan is like like another uh, like level. Gotcha. Like your, yeah. makes your, more sense. Your reputation is done forever now. There is even that moment where. Uh, Victor was getting interrogated by the cop and right. he was like, you can either tell me what like what I want to know and I'll let you go, maybe, or you tell me nothing and I'll just put you in jail. Right. And I think that was sort of what Alex was fearing mm. is because he didn't want to snitch on anybody because he's right. a true homie. That's true. Yeah. He actually did not tell but him But he also yeah. didn't want to be in prison for the yeah. rest of that's, his life. I decided and, homelessness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think he just, you know, went back to be on the streets so he's nowhere near any houses. No, no one knows his name really. He's just a homeless dude eating chicken bones out of the garbage because he doesn't. He ain't no snitch, and he's gonna you know hold hold true to that. And then he finally does come back, and finally you know reconnects with the sister. Who, holy shit! One of the craziest scenes in this movie is when Victor comes back to apologize oh, yeah. and ends up blaming her for it. Yeah, and that's a lot of times how things go down when Holy something shit. traumatic happens. They'll try to blame someone besides themselves, usually because they're overrun with guilt, which I'm sure he is. But <laughs> I just love how she was like, "Kill yourself, just fucking kill she yourself." She really was. But also, a whole lot of believable emotional moments. These did not feel melodramatic at all to me when I was watching them. I was like, "Oh, this is very real to how you might feel in these moments," oh. and it wasn't exaggerated at all to me. And so, like, watching it, you like, oh, you really do get into these moments of how they're going to feel. And those moments never felt too long. Every time he got, like, the length on those, like, perfect. She was like, this is how you can experience it. She got pissed at, at the guy for being near her. She's like, I just want to be alone. She's like, you're all, like, terrible people. Yeah, she just fucking threw him and, off. And, like, throws mm -hmm. him away. And then she just, like, wants to be by herself after that. And I was, I was like, so worried watching it. I'm like, oh, my God, she's going to, like, jump off the fucking balcony like something terrible is gonna happen right now but you know it goes it goes a different direction it is surprisingly a nice ending i think yeah i think i think the ending is nice but for some reason for me it wasn't satisfying i think it i got to the end and i was like really like that's how I, it's gonna end i, I feel because the end the, the end of the movie it's not is, really the end it, it's not really it's never the end yeah the end of the movie is never the end you know anyway because it's cyclical yeah and this movie loves repetition yeah mm -hmm. it loves repetition <laughs> i have something to say to that also so the ending of the movie i mean some might say it's a little bit cheesy for him to come back as her mm -mm. child i don't think it's cheesy at all because i think what this moment is representing is basically him trying to come back and fulfill the contract yeah, yeah. you know because he made the contract i'll be with you forever and if i die i'll come back and you know keep protecting you and that's pretty much exactly what's going to happen he came back as her child and you know typically in a parent-child relationship when the parent gets too old to take care of themselves the, the kid will come through and yeah. take care of them you, so he's fulfilling his contract you revert to the child twice in life yeah <laughs> oh geez yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um one oh, thing man. i'll say because this finally wraps up to the last bardo the bardo of becoming yeah i believe that because he did not read the full text that is why he was reborn as Ooh, a child. Interesting. Yeah. Um, he got halfway through the book, or like I'd say a quarter of the way through the book. Uh, he got stuck in a material body once again. Mm -hmm. And the, the I'm glad that they didn't have any uh, um, 
vocal cue from the mom or his sister saying, oh, we're going to name him Oscar because that would have just been like the cheesy cream on top. <laughs> so I'm glad they, they just went with cutting the umbilical cord, putting them in a... You can't even really seat. tell if the mom is the person that you've seen. It's very blurry. I could almost yeah, say that it's like subjective. You don't actually see her face. <laughs> you see a smile. You see yeah. a booby. But you don't ever see who the mother actually is. Yeah. It's just inferred that this yeah. would be the person. Which I feel like is kind of more powerful. Is you kind of already know where it's going. Yeah, you insert what your own ending. You want and it to be sense, what you want. In a sense, I feel like if you can insert that ending, then you've definitely learned something from yeah. watching the film. Alex and the sister on the bed with the new baby. And that is where I believed the movie would end. And then I got <laughs> x-ray hentai porn. Oh, Yo, yeah. And then I got <laughs> Took a left fucking turn. <laughs> like, I was like, like, what? Okay, so we're not over. We're going to do the whole penetration and birth now. You had to see the sperm go into the egg. That yeah, was the important you bit. You had to. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the self-portrait. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, did you guys have any favorite scenes from this film? Hmm. Or one that stuck out in particular. Any, any part of this movie that was showing part of his past is my favorite part of this movie. That's really, because really good. That really rounds out a character who we didn't even get to know really well, like un- like in that first one. Yeah. It really rounds out Oscar and makes him a very round character. When before he was just a stoner selling drugs. Yeah, you kind of think he's like a like a, a drug addict at first yeah. when you yeah, first yeah, see yeah. him, and then you yeah. get more of his life and realize that he's gone through some shit, like really bad shit. <laughs> I go ahead. No, you go ahead. My favorite scene is the loudest gunshot in cinema history. Yeah, that's good. Shad me uh, <laughs> when I was like, watching. It, yeah. Not even on the sound level, but the weight you feel it. Oh yeah. And like seeing him go through the, oh shit, I'm dead. Yeah, he says he's like, they fucking dead. shot me. They yeah, fucking shot me. And I feel like that's probably what a lot of people will go through in their head. I mean, I don't know from experience, but. If they are at a point where they're approaching death, they're still trying to comprehend what the fuck just yeah. happened to them. Like, oh no, I got ran over by a car, a car, a truck. Yeah, oh my like, fucking god! You know? It's cold, it's dark, and then yeah. It should also be nothing. noted that during the scene where you get shot, the visuals are the exact same as when he does DMT in the beginning, because they're suggesting that you're experiencing the same thing when you're on DMT. A uh, 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 passing through into another place and so that's what i felt like a lot of those light transitions were was him moving between the realms or between the the plane that he was on to a different area and that's sort of stuck out uh i think uh ironically i think the the bits that were like the most traumatic and like really hard to get through were some of the best like raw emotional pieces that you could have gotten in the film and so to to be able to capture it both with child actors and with something that's just brutally violent to see like your parents killed like that was really tough to get through so it was good yeah i think it's a it's a real portrayal of the uh awful moments that people experience in their life and what it means to them i think uh probably my favorite scene it's actually a couple scenes but any scene where um let's see it's alex's artistic friend that makes like the miniature models of the city and how he shows him the love motel that he made it's all beautiful and lit up and it's actually a replica of a real love motel that's in the city and there's a moment where the camera or the perspective zooms in on the word love and it's flashing and I think that's something that was like a big takeaway from the movie for me is the concept of love. Because typically when we think of love or the power of love, <laughs> it's always like this sort of romanticized image of what love is. But love, I mean, it can be romantic, but it's also quite a terrible thing. It exists both in the light and the darkness. Because on one hand, the love you have for somebody is something that's going to keep you going and it's going to give you purpose and meaning. But on the other hand, the love you have for somebody is also what's going to tear you apart. Think about the love that he had for his family and then having them taken away, being taken away from his sister that he loved, losing all of these things that he loved caused him great pain, but that pain wouldn't have been there if he never actually loved them. So in a sense, love is sort of the binding agent and it's also what binds us to this physical reality is our love for certain things and the effect that love has on us. And I think in a lot of cases, that's what causes us to repeat the cycle is we fell in love with something or didn't fall in love with the right things. And then it caused us to go down a path that didn't lead to ascension, essentially. <laughs> ascension, essentially. Yeah, he just gets he gets reincarnated and then yeah, back into the world that he a, experienced that's before. That's a good scene. Yeah, it, I, it's really powerful, but it also can be easily missed if you don't have, I, once again, that sort of background context to go off. I, of. had, I had a similar thought. It was just like, yeah, love is everything. It wasn't much on your kind of scale of the opinion <laughs> of that. But I was like watching that and I'm like, they're really focusing on this love sign right now. And I'm mm-hmm. just like... 
okay, it's a part of everything then. Right. And like, they do you know, also have dialogue of... in it that yeah. predicts that again, where he yeah. talks about, yo, what if you just had a hotel like this and all your friends and they're having a big orgy and who does he see all the people he knows yeah, inside you know, the little hotel? Yeah, <laughs> some strangers that are in the hotel, but then you also see that one creepy drug dealer is there. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, his friend's mom that he fucked is also there. And everyone's yeah. just having a big old orgy. The thing is, these, uh, all these rooms have different lighting yeah. and i believe that like they represent like the six different realms exactly um, and Dude, how, how many people how many couples do they show they showed like six or seven yeah i so, didn't count so that's I interesting it, six, it probably yeah. was that amount the, so, six the the one that the, the creepy drug dealer in was the realm of the animals because green mm-hmm. um so it Ooh. just represents just being uh, ignorant or stupid just complete ignorance and just being everything in your animalistic kind of senses. So I'm just sure there's some eating, fine details. fucking loving, you know. Yeah, but it's interesting too that where the movie ends is essentially in the love hotel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then you, the last bit is is him going all the way to the beginning. Yeah, yeah. he gets <laughs> reborn as a child yeah. who's loved by his mother. If they could have, they probably could have figured out a way to loop this for a, <laughs> i was yeah. surprised that they didn't i was honestly expecting him to go all the way back to when he's on his bed <laughs> just set your media player to repeat <laughs> so when it's yeah. over that's yeah. what mine does oh. yeah, i was hilarious. saying like they should when you get to the end of the movie it should just automatically rewind back to the beginning. yeah that'd be wild to or at least back to like the first that. scene like after the beginning credits yeah mitch did you say your favorite scene or did i miss it Oh, I just like all of the scenes pretty much where he's... I mean, the car crash scenes are pretty amazing because those, like, just completely fuck you. Yeah. yeah the gore is really good. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> right? I hate, I hate to say that this time, like, when the gore's good, it's, it's good. not... It's bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because you're just like, you don't want to look at sort of, like, and, their mangled bodies in the front. They, and how they introduce the mom yeah. from his child perspective... You're like, this seems like the sweetest thing. Yeah, lady she ever. was a great mom. And also an awesome, and now her uh, head is caved in. Oh, I was confused, though. How the fuck did that happen? Like, did he just take the wrong road in? Because that's a they, truck that I, just I think fucking. Because he was a child, he never didn't know. It didn't get explained to him. How, yeah. how would he even know? He's just focused on mom and dad. That are was dead crazy. Now. It's more about his experience of what happened after yep. the fact yeah. than what caused this to happen. And okay. then giving that. Thousand mile stare. <laughs> what a great moment to see the the face. Um, I'm surprisingly okay with the fact that you only get to see uh, Oscar's face like two or three times, because it like almost wasn't important. It was like they wanted to place you into the seat of, also of that, his life experience. That first person shot when he looks in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't ever stare too long in the mirror when you're on yeah, psychedelics. It'll really fuck cool you up. Because <laughs> he's trying to calm himself down after saying real yeah he's like talking to himself in his head like water water gotta splash your face literally just throws it on himself because he's like i need to calm down what a great (laughs) shot yeah Yeah. really good they even had the small details of when he touches his face you actually have something go in front of the camera yeah so so, so it's like you're actually looking through his eyes and And also the blinking oh my god that fucks me up but then you got used to it 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 was there almost the entirety of the movie, but you get used to it. Just like how we don't yeah. notice. When we <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A really subtle, nice detail. I just detail. blinked now, and I was yeah. like, "Whoa!" <laughs> Everything went dark. Oh, I blinked. Whoa. Um. So then, what would be the ratings then? I'm gonna give this a nine point five. Mm. It's almost a ten for me. Yeah, uh, I I would probably give it. Do you want to explain it? Or? Yes, I'll explain. Why. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I think excited. I think it it has a lot to digest. Yeah, it's and a lot I of think stuff. It is a long run time, but coming out of it with the lesson, I enjoy this film. And next time it comes on Netflix, I won't be skipping it. <laughs> I think the cinematography is really great. I love the use of miniatures and the use of practical effects for gore and blood and stuff like that. And this movie's horny as fuck. <laughs> really? They show real horny. dick. They yeah. show male dick. All right. I'm, I'm like, we got to give points <laughs> for that too. But there's a lot to digest. And if you're willing to digest, eat up. Yeah, I, I also want to give this movie a 9.5. I'm only taking half a point away because I do think that this movie can be a little bit outside of certain people's realms and they might not appreciate watching it. So this movie is not necessarily friendly for everybody to view. But if you're open to the experience, even if you don't necessarily understand it, you're going to come away with some sort of thought or ideas in your head. 
Um, but overall, like, this movie's really gorgeous. Like, the concept is super unique. I haven't seen any other movies that tried to do this. And I don't think any other movie could try to do this. Uh, yeah, it pushes the, the idea of the experimental film, especially in yeah. the surrealist part of it's it. It's very art house experimental. <laughs> yeah, he committed um, to the full experimental film, and that's, yeah. like, the whole way through. But I appreciate the symbology in mm. just about everything that happens in this movie. Like, I could spend hours talking about all of the symbolism throughout everything, but... I think the point would be lost at that point. But I also really appreciated the use of color and that symbology. The colors of the places they were, the sh the strobing lights, how their apartment was constantly being lit by those different colors. And I think the concept, it's its a really interesting idea to introduce the idea of reincarnation and yeah. Eastern philosophies in this way from like basically an American foreign perspective. You are oh, as true, this huh? foreign man yeah. in this Eastern country being exposed to these ideas that might be kind of lost on you because you didn't grow up with it. You didn't grow up in a culture that appreciates these, these sort of concepts. But I don't really like films that are quote-unquote spiritual you know <laughs> you have some like stupid ass white man that goes to a, a monastery somewhere in the mountains uh, yeah that's fair. and has to go through all uh, these experiences dances with wolves <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and like i always found those really cheesy but in this sense it was able to introduce these ideas from an outsider perspective and still have it be like mm. very tangible and understandable and this is just some guy yeah, it's just some dude. That's something, too, that's really cool about this is to think that this is just one person's life. Like, think yeah. about the billions of lives that exist on this earth and all of the trillions of different paths that they walk. I can't even count the number of paths that I people I thought that's what the visuals on. were getting at, though. Was yeah. Because you kept seeing these interconnected pieces where it was like yeah. a webbing that kind of went out. It's and I thought like that's what it was saying. It's the web of fate. There's a lot know? of stuff. How you're all tied together. There's a lot of chaos Yeah, like you could on. go down one path and have a completely different set of experiences than if you go down another path. Like, to think that... Oscar probably would still be alive if he just didn't tell the cops that he had a gun, which yeah. he didn't actually have a gun. He was trying to protect himself. Yes. But <laughs> that, that small dumb. choice that he made led to the end of his life. And I just think this movie really represents the the web of fate and life. Also, and if you want to go further back, he shouldn't have fucked his friend's mom. But, we, you know. <laughs> yeah. And also the choice of deciding to deal drugs which yeah. got him into the situation exactly. in the first place and then fucking his friend's mom which caused jealousy and rage which eventually and ended yeah. up in his demise <laughs> but like this movie it's heavy and it's it's wild and it's super unique super beautiful i highly recommend anybody who's into any sort of esoteric spirituality just to watch the movie that's Even fair. if you're not, if you're slightly <laughs> interested or want to understand more, just watch the fucking movie. Yeah, just just don't send it to your Aunt Carol. Yeah. <laughs> don't show your family oh, this man. movie. Watch this movie alone after, like, smoking a doobie or something. You're funny. What do you think, Mitch? Um, Rating? So I was going to give it a seven, but then we discussed it a lot. Got now a little I'm more out of it. I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. So, which, which, which brought it up a little bit. Um, I, still, I still do think that there are quite a lot of scenes that just – are a lot of just it just takes too much time to get through them and that makes it kind of like uh, not as accessible for a lot of people um i don't know if i'm going to go and rewatch this movie <laughs> yeah. like not not because i think that it's bad or anything i actually enjoyed it a lot um but i do have you know i have my gripes but i do think cinematography is on point you know i, I really enjoy the concept a lot i really think that he tackled this concept expertly yeah, like, like yeah. He 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 went into it like super hard and went and went as into it as possible and almost like almost to the point where I'm like, dude, I think you went too deep. <laughs> I think you like went a little bit too deep. So what the X-ray penetration was too deep? Oh, oh my god, <laughs> Jesus! Yeah. It, yes. Can you imagine <laughs> the fucking meeting where he tells them that he wants this in his film and some dude sitting at his computer like, I guess I gotta make it. <laughs> and like <laughs> that's his job for the day. I, I can't but imagine the memes in the office oh where like, god. oh. What's up, Dickie Dave? How's it going? How's the uh, cock going? You're working on that right now, aren't you? Sitting at his desk like CG. eight hours a day for a week. <laughs> Animating the CGI, CGI penetration. <laughs> yeah. God. If they work with the Japanese studio, they probably just got another Ooh, guy on. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. have some other person. Uh, all the hentai yeah. studios we know. I think, uh, I think I agree with Mitch. I think I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, the rating was much lower when I first came into the podcast. But, of course, there's always more to it when you're watching it. I think your expectations have to be just right. When you're watching this film, in a way where you sort of have to be, like you said, very open 
to the idea of other concepts outside of what you normally know as religion and uh, what you're dealing with in your own life as far as like the life and death experience because this gets at the idea that there's much more after you die and that scares a lot of people I think so that concept alone is enough to be interesting uh, it was tackled really well for such a large concept. It's a tangible movie. Um, I'm just a critic because I cut things short, really, really short. I think you have to be really good at short story in order to make it a longer thing and be as effective. So if you can master the short story, then I think you can master making a longer piece. And so in this way, I think it's too long because you could have shown, like you could have taken one of the cycles out and then shown what you had there. And I think it would have been really precise. But it almost is intentional in a way where you're going to experience everything that he's gone through. You're not going to have a shortcut through his own terrible life. Right. It makes you emotionally attached yes, to these situations you become really because attached you to see him. every aspect of it. If you want like a, a sort of like happier version, I guess is the way to say it, or something that might be way more uplifting, you should watch uh, The Life of Pi. The Life of Pi deals with the sort of same experiences of like what happens when people die that are close to you and what happens when you meet certain people because that movie was so good for me that I watched it immediately after I ended it. I watched that movie twice, like back to back because I thought it was so good. So it's a, And it deals with similar ideas of uh, him having to deal with... Uh, the, the basic premise is that uh, a young kid gets stuck out at sea uh, with random animals that are on the boat with him and he has to deal with the idea of you not knowing whether or not these animals are his family members and people that got off the boat or are they actually animals and how that affects his life. And it becomes a really surreal thing that he's lost at sea with these things. So it's like you, you get that sort of same experience and it's like based in like Hindi culture and other things like that or like things we've talked about before. So I give it like an eight. Uh, I think the script is really good. Those moments where, you, where they're talking to each other are so believable that I'm like whoever wrote it has had some really interesting experiences that would make him a good writer. And it's not uh, pretentious or like melodramatic, which usually happens in these sort of emotional movies. So worth a watch, but I don't think I'll be returning to watch it again just because it was so mind-numbing for me at some point. <laughs> you will return already. <laughs> I mean, it's been probably like eight years since I oh, last wow. watched it. And like, I didn't really want to watch it after i watched it because i was like this is this is too broad like i don't quite understand or i i just don't i don't get it <laughs> but eventually i felt compelled to come back to this movie which is why i chose it as the movie i want to talk about for my birthday because i feel like i'm in a place now where these concepts are starting to become more tangible mm. to me and they relate a lot more to the life experiences the thoughts that i'm having the things that i'm experiencing so i just happen to be in a place where like this was the right time to watch it and these sort of things these lessons of movies will come back to you when they're right i mean maybe they won't maybe you're just not ready yet to hear that or maybe it's outside of what you need to know at the time Cool. Any final thoughts? No, no, no other I, thoughts. I have one. If you like the <coughs> first-person perspective, I recommend watching the dumbass movie Hardcore Henry. But <laughs> also, the uh, the inspiration for this movie is the Prodigy music video "Smack My Bitch Up," oh where my God. an Englishman in first person goes throughout his daily routine, does a bunch of coke, and does some crazy ass shit. Oh, I <laughs> I actually really so like good. Hardcore Henry. It's such a wild, funny movie. <laughs> it's so much fun. Like it's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's a really fun movie. This is a unique watch. Check it out. Uh, I think my final thought is, hmm, I had it in my head and now it's kind of gone. So I'm just gonna try to work through it. But basically, like if you ever feel lost in your life don't mean to sound cheesy but if you ever feel lost <laughs> if you feel like where you're going is not where you need to go sometimes it's good to get a smack in the face and i think this movie is a big smack in the face it's it's cerebral it's visceral it's horny <laughs> <laughs> it's esoteric it's philosophical there's so much wrapped up in this movie and you'll get different things from when you watch it. You'll notice different things. And I think if you're looking for something different, this is the something different you need in your life. This is the gateway to a whole other aspect of reality. Uh, this also, for some reason, made me think that it was uh, an intense step up from, say, like the Neon Demon. Yeah. Because of the heavy transformation that happens. And so watching it, I was like, this is kind of similar. But the Neon Demon was a little more grounded into like her own world. It was definitely more of a material aspect. Yeah, exactly. But I love the visuals that you saw. Yeah. So it was, it was really enjoyable in that sense. Really good cinematography, whoever did it. <laughs> 
All right, I guess uh, that's all we that's got. That's it. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I'll do. I'll I'll walk us out. I'm gonna open the gate real quick. All right. <laughs> Wait, let me get my jacket. I gotta get my jacket real quick. Hang okay. On. Okay. <laughs> okay, I got it. Let's go. Okay. Okay. We are bringing down the Grindhouse, a podcast that discusses horror and media. And if you'd like to support us, please check out our Patreon first and most likely. Because if you donate two dollars a month, you could give us a recommendation for a piece of horror, yep. like media, whether it's a film or literature or a game, and we'll definitely take it into consideration for our recordings. We also have our Teespring, where we have merch, which also helps us out a lot. T-shirts and hats are on there currently, working to get new stuff on there every day. And you can check <laughs> out when we update that stuff as we are dancing right now, because we have the social medias where you could keep up to date on all our posts and when our new episodes are dropping. Make sure to follow us on Spotify and the Apple Podcast, but also check out our, our social medias with Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm currently making more posts on there. It's a lot of fucking fun. Who knew that Photoshop was so much power? <laughs> Broken <laughs> power. Anyways, uh, thank you for watching. And uh, that's funny. You mean listening? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't no, buy with this existence. Oh, okay, I guess so. All right, we're watching too. Because oh, we're watching. It's a movie. Yeah. We're watching from your mind's Duh. eye, though. <laughs> ah, anyway. I did this intentionally, Mitch. Eyes, bro. I did this intentionally, Mitch. All right, sorry. I'm not trying to tear you down. I'm Mitch. I'm Mer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you. Woo! <laughs>